Hey, everybody. Welcome to SG Debrief. This is episode 16, and I am Kevin, your host, and with me, my co-host, the ever-so-awesome Jeff. Good evening, everybody. Episode 16 already, huh? Episode 16. We're cruising, Jeff. Yeah. Wow. All right. So, yeah. um, Anything new with you, buddy? Oh, no, not really. <laughs> I've had yeah. a pretty boring week again. I got to be honest, there's not much going on. Yeah, it's kind of miserable. It's, you know, in New England here, I feel like it's just we'll, we'll get a taste of some nice weather and then we'll get a snowstorm and a bunch of brutally cold weather. It's going to be 70 on Friday. Well, then that'll be a good day. Yeah. I think I'm not working that day. I think you got the right idea. Yeah. All right. So this week we have Enigma. Now, I'm going to bring this up right now. I have no idea why this episode is called Enigma. Title itself is an enigma to you, huh? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, it is. Because there's no mystery or anything of the sort in this episode. Not really. Not a bun- Not really a bunch of mystery or anything yeah this is really kind of the first episode where the title completely escapes me this would be a great opportunity for any of our listeners to comment and to educate us exactly why this episode is called enigma i have a whole list of things i could be educated on not just this (laughs) that's the truth (laughs) all right let's jump into this episode jeff all right here we go So the gate opens on a world where there's a whole bunch of volcanic activity everywhere. We got ash that's falling from the sky. I guess if you're not looking really closely, at first it looks like snow. Sure does. Yes. Yes, indeed it does. But I suppose if you you look in the background, you see all the volcanoes. That kind of clues you into what exact, what it is uh, for real. Well... Tilk mentions it a few seconds later. I think it was Tilk anyways. Yeah, I would say so. So SG-1 pops through. They, they all look like they were at like a full-on run when they went through the gate this time because they just kind of put the brakes on as they came through. Immediately notice that it's very inhospitable here. It's hard to breathe. Uh, I believe, I think it's Jack that calls immediately like, hey, yep, we're done here. Let's dial it out. Yep, and everybody for once seems to agree, until... Until Daniel notices uh, uh, something in the distance, and it turns out to be a body. Still alive, rather. Yes. Uh, Actually, one body turns out to be multiple bodies, and some of them are dead, some of them are alive. But as they uh, they notice this, they obviously want to help out these people. They start going to the bodies, they start lifting them up help them out about a handful of survivors i'd say yeah uh, a solid handful a good group carter is going through uh some of these these people and she notices uh somebody um she goes to help this person and uh this person grabs her arm and as she's standing over him he says don't help us 
It's very clear as day. I had that noted as well. Don't help us. I mean, I had it, to re-listen to it because that's not really something you'd normally hear. Yeah, I agree, but it was a very specific in- instruction. Don't help us. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get them through the gate. What? Yeah, it's very mysterious. I mean, it's a very good place to end the teaser, which is what they did. Yeah, it uh, it was very mysterious. Um, I'm in for this one. I'm kind of curious as to why this person who looks like they're just about dead doesn't want to be saved. Yeah, I, I would definitely have to agree. It, it just, without that line, eh, I probably could have... I probably could have skipped right over it. Right, exactly. Now that it line, that line that made it. All right, so that, that being the end of the teaser, uh, what'd you have the that time at? I believe it was kind of a short one, right? I think it was 229. 229. Yes, a little on the short side, but um, I'll chalk that up to the fact that they did arrive on a very unusual world with a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, considering they could have dialed the gate and gone home and that teaser would have been real quick. They... You know, it's, it's kind of funny. I actually remember that bit with them going coming through the gate at that. They actually put that in the title sequence. Do you remember that? Yeah. You're right. Eventually they do, don't they? That's like, that's where I remember that. That's the most I remember out of that episode <laughs> is the fact that that was such an unusual looking world and they just, they threw that into the title sequence. They must have spent a lot of money on it. They had to get their money's worth out, out of it. All right. So the end of the teaser, SG-1 is returning to Earth with survivors from the planet. They're they all kind can't of... follow directions, can they? That's right. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if somebody's like, don't help us? Uh, it up. Let's go home. Really? <laughs> I don't Damn, know. Man, you're cold. I mean, the man was very specific. He was very specific, but it's like, you, you can't do that. You can't just leave someone to die. You're not trying hard enough. <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. So yeah, they're, they are uh, returning to Earth. They have survivors with them. Some of them are being carried. Some of them are limping through. They get up to uh, the command room. They're going through the debrief with Hammond. Hammond is super pleased that they have done this. He's He thinks they're the God's gift to the planet right now. One hell of a rescue, people. Yep, he is a happy dude. He is pleased to announce that they were able to rescue 10 people from dying. It's a good number. Out, out of how many, I guess, would be the question. If it's like 10 out of 500, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one to say. But he does ask him some more questions a little bit, you know, about more about the planet. He specifically asks about the hand device or the wrist device, rather. Yes, he does. After he goes through, like, if there are any buildings or anything, he asks what these devices that they're wearing. Carter says she looked them over. She doesn't have a clue what they are or even how they work. Jack tried to get Jackson tried to give it a rip, and he just sounded like he was stringing words together for a minute. He really did. I mean, it's, he's an archaeologist. He's, we understand you're a nerd, Daniel, but you're not this kind of nerd. Yeah, you need to keep your mouth shut right now. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, they, they they did mention that some of these devices that the survivors were wearing 
were emitting like a low level radiation. Not like harmful, but just it showed that they were powered up by something. So they're something. We just there's something. They do no something. Clue what. No clue what. Go team. Jackson seems to think that they also might be technologically ahead of us. Yes. Kind of like this explanation. Yeah, it is actually, it makes a little bit of sense. Um, right. I do have it noted here. Uh, but if you've got the notes, go right ahead, Jeff. Oh, he goes on to explain that they seem like they're a little ahead of us. And they if they didn't have the problematic dark ages like we did, they would be ahead of us. We were set back 800 years, I believe, was the number Jackson gave. That's what I got. Yeah, so it makes a lot of sense. It does. A lot can happen in 800 years. Or nothing at all from the looks of it. I'm sure it, it, the, some of it is dependent on exactly where a, t a society is advanced and where they would have that 800 years. Like, for instance, I feel like if we had 800 years between right now and 800 years from now, we would be extremely advanced versus maybe somebody who just discovered the wheel yeah. and you give it another 800 years. No, I would, I would agree with you on that. I mean, the Dark Ages happened between 476 AD and 1000 AD wasn't even 800 years look at that yeah like 524 okay but either yeah. way interesting i i couldn't say what the heck happened technology wise there i i have i really don't know anything about that period of history i think it was the bicycles with the giant wheels in front <laughs> but I, I might be wrong i don't know <laughs> you might be wrong <laughs> Okay, okay, on to the show here. All right. All right, so, uh, yeah, uh, the uh, leader of these survivors that they brought in would is very interested in talking with uh, SG-1. He just has this aura about him, like, I hate you all. He really does. He plays the a-hole to a T. He doesn't even have to speak, and you already don't like the guy. He's just, like, got this look of disgust just looking at you. <laughs> exactly. He's, he's just condescending with his eyes. I don't know how he did it. Reminds me of how my ex looks at me. Fair. Oh, crap. Did I say that out loud? I'll make sure to edit that. Yeah, you can do whatever you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Hammond is introducing SG-1 to this to the survivor. Um, as the people who saved them. He's like, hey, these are the people who pulled you out of there, saved your life. And like we said, he is just a straight-up dick. He is unappreciative. He's rude. He, he interrupts them. Yeah. Oh, he is a total jerk. He, sa he says he finds it unbelievable that such a primitive people could have even deciphered the game system. Well, in all honesty... I find that hard to believe too, but well, you know, we're we're earthlings. We're we're awesome. I mean, that's at least that's what we thought in the nineties. Well, yeah. It, all right, sure. <laughs> um, he also recognizes Teok as a Jaffa, and Teok is just like, hey, you know, um, these people—they're really good people. And then he basically tells Teok, "It's like, what do you know? You're a Jaffa." <laughs> 
Yeah, and that's when I believe Hammond jumped in and said, "Any me and my enemy" or something. Yeah, Hammond is very interested in uh, the fact that he knows uh, who the Gould and uh, Jaffa are. I know I say I say Jaffa, Jaffa. All right, we're gonna go back and forth with that a little too, but. <laughs> I say Jaffa, just because it's like, it sounds cool. It sounds like Java. Yeah. Hammond is very interested, the fact that he knows who the Gould are. And then he just says that his name's Omak, and uh, he kind of brushes off the whole Gould thing. It's like, well, you're not really a threat. I just know them. Yeah, I know of them. I never mentioned they were my enemy. Right. Wow, isn't that nice? Thanks, pal. I mean, even talking about people that we hate, he manages to come off like a dick. <laughs> he really does. I, one of those tosses ass back through the gate. Yeah. You know? Really. Kind of wish we could. Actually, I believe, uh, I believe Hammond gets to that point, doesn't he? Uh, so, Omak, I just have here, he's very dismissive, and he demands that his things be returned, and he would like to go home. And yeah. Daniel says that he would love to learn more about them. He says it in a very polite way. And Omak just kind of is like, yeah, I'm done talking. Go away. Yeah. Closes his eyes and, are you still here? Why are you still here? Yeah. Just, just really, he plays that part so well. So back in the gate room, Daniel is talking to Carter as she is preparing a drone oh, she's playing with on the planet. She's playing with her new UAV toy. It's the plane. I love this. It's the first introduction we get to the plane, I think. Ah, yes. The UAV. Jeff, can you tell me what UAV stands for? No, I can't. Oh, but I can. Because I, I just like to look this stuff up. Yeah. So what does UAV stand for? Unmanned Aerial Vehicle. All right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But it's a drone. I think that's really... I, I think that's where but, they got away from UAV. Drones just seem sim simpler. But it's not a drone. Drones have four propellers that face up. This thing's a plane. No, no. You're thinking of the thing that we all call drones, but... Ooh. Yeah, no. That's... that's you, you fell into a trap there. See, a uh, drone can really be a lot of things. It doesn't have to be the four-prop thing that we're all familiar with. That in the future, it delivers Amazon packages. And Domino's Pizza, don't you forget. And Domino's Pizza, thank you. Don't you forget about my Domino's. <laughs> future Kevin here. Just thought I would look up the actual definition of a drone in the dictionary. As a noun, the fourth definition I have it as... A remote-controlled, pilotless aircraft or small flying device. Have a good one. Well, I'm going to call it a drone because that's what it really is. And even though it doesn't have four propellers, it only has one. All right, so she's getting her new UAV toy ready in the gate room. And I'm going to call it a UAV because you don't want to. Okay, there we are then. And Daniel says that one of the Tolan seem particularly interested in Carter, and that Hammond thinks that she might have better luck talking to them. Yeah, but you definitely got the sense that he was asking specifically about her. Yeah. 
if you didn't see that he had a little bit of a crush on her when um, he opened up his eyes there on the uh, the volcanic field, you definitely get a sense for that when they interact on this upcoming scene. He gets downright creepy at some points. He does. He's crushing on her like hardcore. Yeah. Like freaking third grade hardcore. Boy needs to learn etiquette. <laughs> Jeepers. So Hammond uh, is there and he introduces Carter to Narim. Uh, Narim? Narim? Narim. Narim. Okay. And he seems very interested in our planet. Which, yeah, I think he's kind of interested in the planet. He's definitely way more interested in Carter. Uh, yeah. It, like I said, it's just gets a kiss-ass point some there. A little bit. A little bit. Hammond gives them permission to go to the surface, which, that's a little bit of an unusual move, I think. I don't think he, Hammond really knows too much about these people. And now suddenly it's like, oh, you can go to the surface with only one guard on you. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's like, well, this guy over here, their leader's been nothing but trouble, and you just want to let these two go up there? Yeah, I'm not sure if I would be quite that trusting, but we'll, we'll let that one slide. I guess it kind of worked. He, he begins by thanking Carter for saving his life. It's about time. We're 10 minutes into the episode. Nobody said it yet. Seriously. I mean, everybody was just, like, being jerks. All of a sudden, we have one person who seems like they're acting like a normal, thankful person. And when he was dying on the planet, then he goes into this big sappy bit where he thought that she might be, like, an angel because she was so beautiful. Aww. Isn't that sweet? Seriously. Not only sweet, but I'm going to lines is this guy using? Yeah, th that is a smooth pickup line. Good for him. Yeah. So he also goes on to say, "Hope Omak is not as harsh as he seems." Really? <laughs> yeah, it's like no, he could have fooled me. He's a full-on dick. <laughs> He's doing a really good job of being that character, then. <laughs> yeah, he is. But Nareem seems to think that he's only trying to protect them. Before Carter can really ask what he means, he kind of realizes he's saying too much or something. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Suggests they go back inside. So we go back to the gate room, and they're pre preparing to send the unmanned aerial vehicle back to the planet. Nice. The UAV reports back the planet is pretty uninhabitable for the time being. And Carter pretty much confirms what the drone's images are showing. So, yeah. Temperature yeah. and all that crap are no good. No good. Oh, yeah, bonus. Lava is flowing towards the gate, and it's probably going to be covered in a few days. Oh, of course. Yeah, well, you know. You got to have a, one of those dire situations going over your head there. Wait a minute. You telling me we got to tolerate these 10 people for how long? Yeah, so now we got a whole bunch of refugees that really are just disgusted with us that we saved their lives. That's nice. Yeah, but, you know, can't leave. So they tell Omak the news, and he responds that his team was actually the last to evacuate the planet. And he was, they were trying to basically remove or cover up the gate anyways. And this is just basically going to do their job for them. 
I think this is the first time he almost broke a smile in the episode, probably the last. Possibly. That job got done. Maybe towards the end, he actually softens up just a little. Yeah, you say so. He says the new planet is outside of the gate system, and he's like, hey, do you mind if I borrow a ship? How's a shuttle? We have a shuttle. (laughs) Take Um, you years to get there, but sure. Yeah, Daniel's like, yeah, I don't, we have ships, but not the kind that you think. Our space program is relatively new, you think? An accurate term, everything is relative. Uh, yeah, uh, but I think that, I think that our space program started in the 50s, and now it's the 90s, so it's 40 years old. I don't think, rel- relatively speaking... It's pretty freaking new, no matter which way you look at it. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's unfortunate news. I mean, it's it's older than Mexico's space program. And keep in mind, I have no idea if Mexico even has a space program, but I have to pick somebody. Okay. I hope you're right about that, because we're going to look it up after, and you're going to feel real bad if it, does, if it doesn't look good. I'm bum already, don't you worry. <laughs> Future Kevin here. Looks like Jeff is off the hook this time. Mexico does have a space program. The Mexican Space Agency, otherwise known as the AEM, is the National Space Agency of Mexico, established in July of 2010. Have a good one, folks. All right, so we don't have a ship. Sorry about that. O'Neill thinks that we should ask some of these uh, new friends that we've made, you know, in the past six months, Uh, The last, you know, 15 episodes, we actually had a few happy endings, right? A couple here and there, although most of them were problems we created to begin with. Uh, A little bit, but it's not, that's not the point though, Jeff. It's about where we ended things. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I suppose we're breaking even right now. So maybe uh, we go over to some of these planets that we've already previously visited and ask if these people might be able to take our uh, a-hole Tolan uh, refugees in because they're such nice people. Just don't let them talk to anybody before they say yes. (laughs) Just don't talk to them. They're fine. Just stay on your side of the line, okay? You're on the dark side of the world. So Hammond agrees with this, and O'Neill and Teok go on a small little mission to go and find uh, people who might be willing to help. So small, we don't even we don't even see them go off planet. Yeah, I know we don't see a single like little side nope. glance at them at all, which is very unusual. I I had that noted. I was scratching my head. Yep. When O'Neill and Teok go off on their little mission, uh, it's Daniel and uh, Carter's mission to start a small little refugee center in a, I guess, a multi-purpose banquet room or something in the base. Yeah, just a big room that was conveniently available. Yeah, sure. Omak continues to be ungrateful and accusing when Hammond returns their tech and promises that they are trying to help. Well, I mean, he's kind of got a point. Omak's kind of got a point. We did take his stuff. We actually told him we looked at it and couldn't figure it out. It's like, well, why are you going through my stuff? I would actually, yeah, I would agree with that. 
Yeah. I mean, I when I when I first looked at that, I was like, all right, you you just being a, but I see his point now a little bit. Yeah, it's like you're not being very trusting. I mean, we never tried to hurt you. Why are you going through my stuff? I suppose they're just kind of security. I suppose they're just afraid. I mean, they're not being particularly nice. It might maybe it's, it's going through somebody's mind that they could get blown away or something, and none of the Tolans would really care. Well, I'm I don't sure know. that guy's coming up. Don't you worry. <laughs> that pessimistic guy. <laughs> So Carter, after, uh, you know, Hammond returns her tech, promises her trying to help, uh, Carter finds Nareem, who can't figure out how to make a bed. Wow. Dude, really? You got a pillowcase, you got two sheets, and you can't figure out what to do with that. I don't know if t- being technologically superior is all that, then. Well, they, as he explained, their bedding just is there okay all right i, I mean, mean i really feel like that's not a hard thing to figure out even if you've never seen a bed before in your life i, I don't know but okay all right all right you can't figure out how to make a bed I- i'm sorry i lost a little respect for the guy there yeah all right all that smooth talking ain't gonna get you into that huh no th- I-, I think he might have lost a few points with carter too but I should hope so. She doesn't want to take care of all the time. So she gives him some pictures to look at of some animals. He said that he was interested in that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. When they were on the surface together, he saw a bird and it nearly like... He saw a bald eagle. He talked... What are you talking about? That was some pretty awesome nature footage there. Yeah, it sure was. National Geographic, I'm sure. But yeah, he was floored. Yep. She also brings a giant orange cat. Schrodinger. 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 Well, we're both saying it wrong, but yes. Yeah, we are. The important thing is we... Schrodinger's cat. That's right. Yes. Carter finds it hilarious. This is clearly a joke that's meant to get to the audience, but it makes zero sense in the plot because obviously Nareem is not going to get it. Well, it's, it's actually a very common science thing, apparently, because it shows up in a lot of other sci-fi series. It does, quite a bit. I know I know it definitely has shown up in Trek. But the wacky thing is that when she explains it to him, somehow she's able to explain it way better than how Jack was trying to explain a black hole to Teal. Gee whiz. I'm not really surprised. And he's actually able to grasp it. He's like, he gets it. He gets, he kind of gets the joke. He gets it because he studied it in fourth grade. Yeah, as something that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, a botched theory or something. I forget what he called misconception. it. Misconception. It was a right. misconception of quantum physics. That's what, thank you. <laughs> So yeah, that's the only that. reason that he knows this is because it, it's like, oh yeah, we knew that. That was like a big old, what were they thinking? And so she's just like, wait, you guys have figured it all out then? You've cracked the nut, have you? Yeah, they have cracked the nut. And that's what he says. Yeah. Carter still- feels a little humbled, but then she, what she needs to do is look back to the fact that he could make a bed with three articles 
but he doesn't need to. Since bed does it for him. Nope. Sorry. Not Not forgetting. Not forgiving that. All right. I mean, I'm telling you, if you had a bed that's been made for you your whole life, you wouldn't know either. Agree to disagree on this one. All right. All right. So uh, I do have one other final note in this scene, and that's good old our our friend Omak. He overhears this conversation. He walks over and he gives Narim a very nasty look. If looks could kill, man. Oh, that guy, like, I, I swear, he kicked Omak, Omak's puppy or something. Yep, for sure. He was not happy with him. So O'Neill and Teo, they returned from their journey with good news. <laughs> Many of the happy ending worlds that we visited want to help us. Yay! Somebody get these people out of my base. Then Hammond walks in with the news that all of the refugees are gone. What do you mean gone? Like, disappeared into thin air. He used the word escaped. Well, alright, sure, escaped, but they're they're just gone. Omak specifically asked if they were prisoners, and the answer was no. Which brings us to the very next scene. These are some very vicious-sounding dogs up on the surface looking for Yeah, I'll say. Those were definitely, like, they grabbed those from a prison, and they were like, hey, <laughs> find these aliens. I, 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 and they even when they found them, the dogs didn't calm down. They were still very, very, very upset dogs. No, that's, that's definitely not how you go and... Um, and find some friends or refugees that just decided to take a walk. Yeah. Wow. You're absolutely right. But yeah, the mm. <laughs> no wonder why they ran away. Yeah. I, you could see it from both sides at this point. It's like, well, all right. To the Tolans, it's like, we're a bunch of just paranoid people that just want to get them for their technology. But from our point of view, it's like these people are just being condescending towards us. They think they can do whatever the hell they want. Um, our, one thing that I feel like we should have mentioned in front of the Tolans is that we haven't revealed the Stargate to the rest of our world yet. Yeah. And that's the primary reason why we don't want them just hanging out up there. Yeah, all we said was you need to stay in the base. Yeah. Well, we can't tell you why. That was a mistake there. I, I feel like they should have told them that, and that maybe would have gone a long way. Agreed. Okay, so now that we've solved the whole reason why this episode is happening, we'll move right along here. Yeah, now they're trying to figure out how they got out. So, Omak was just saying that they were observing the stars. After O'Neill escorts them back to the base, Hammond, O'Neill, and Omak meet up in the conference room with they want to start to meet with some of these other worlds that want to help them. So first person that we meet up with here is Tuplo. Tuplo, my boy. We remember Tuplo from the Broker Divide. That was the darkness and the light. Apparently they have figured out their whole darkness and light situation and they're very happy. Everybody is living in the light now. Yeah, we solved that whole problem for them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing great. Tuplo is super polite. He's very gracious. 
and he offers to share his world with Lord Omak. Very, very nice off. Wow. What a guy. And for his trouble, Omak is rude. He says Tuplo's people are even more primitive than Earth, and he says that the planet is unacceptable. Yeah, you used the word earlier. Disgusted. Omak actually looks disgusted at the idea. I would say so. Yeah. Wow, what a nice guy, though. Yeah, super nice. <laughs> this is unacceptable. Okay, well, let's send it back through the gate. Carter is talking with Nareem, and she basically asks, Why is Omak such a dick? And Nareem is happy to explain a little bit about why he's such a dick. It makes a lot of sense after the story, so... It makes quite a bit of sense. He explains that they offered superior technology to a planet in their own solar system that uh, they discovered that was about the same technological level as Earth. And when they did offer this, they offered a... a I think it was like a unlimited uh, productive energy or something like that. Yep. They used it to wage war. And that was it. They they used it to wage war, and they ended up destroying their entire planet inside of a day. Uh, I thought it was a year. They said a day. One revolution of their planet. Wow. All right. That's some... But then the destruction of that altered the course of the Tolan homeworlds. Which sent it into the volcanic destruction that we... That's some TV kind of bad luck right there, man. Yeah, I would say so, too. That, that's... Not, not unbelievable, though. Because we... I mean, we would... You'd know that if, like, a, a planet, like, blew up or something, it would definitely have an effect on the rest of the solar system. Agreed. Agreed. It's just all of a sudden... They really wanted to drive it home, though. Yeah, that this was all the Tolan's fault. It's like, this is it. This is what happens when we give somebody who has less technology our advanced technology. And that's why Omak is the giant <laughs> dick. <laughs> All right. And there we go. O'Neill and Omak kind of have it out a little bit, again, briefly. Um, Omak tells Jack that their escaping was a test to see our response. That sounds like a bad excuse my kids give to me when I catch them doing something. <laughs> that sounds like something I would say to cover up my own tracks. Like, oh, well, that was a test. Exactly. <laughs> and you failed. <laughs> Moving on now. <laughs> no, that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, so it basically was a very minor exchange, and O'Neill... It ended up with O'Neill doesn't trust Omak, and Omak just thinks that um, we want their technology. Real, real simple. Yep. <laughs> so at this point, they do—they're uh, able to reconstruct some camera footage and see exactly how the Tolans ex escaped. They walked through the walls. That's it. They somehow they made the walls uh, some sort of tr transparent matter or something. And these devices that they have on their armbands, they can uh, make themselves so they can walk through regular matter. And anything that they're holding also, we find out as the episode goes on, 
will also go right through regular matter. Jack thinks it's cool. It I is love, pretty cool. I love that line. It's just because it's just Jack. Just childish Jack right then and there. Cool. <laughs> yep. I, I would agree. That is that's some pretty cool technology. Even Teal is impressed. He's like, Yeah, the ghoul don't have anything like this. Yeah, that's right. And that's when one of our favorite characters in SG one shows up for the very first time. He really is one of my he started off as, you know, my not so favorite, but he really found a place in my heart, man. He did. He did. He started I mean, we, we will actually run into characters like this pretty often we already did as a matter of fact what was it uh richards i think it was no it, it was kennedy and they kennedy actually, i'm sorry that's it they talk, yeah they actually talk about kennedy got promoted and that's when jack throws another one-liner out there oh failing upwards i see kennedy was a he was a straight up dick and uh what? mayborn no. Looks to follow in his footsteps. Exactly. So is Mayborn right now. I'm not about being a nice guy. I just want to get technology. I just want to experiment on aliens. You know. I have my orders. That's what he hides behind every time. I have my orders. I have my orders. But now he. I really forgot how much I hated Mayborn in the beginning until I saw this episode. He's got that stupid haircut. He's just, ah, uh, I, I like older Mayborn better. Yep, just want to hate him. You he really did. just want to hate him. He played well. He played the part very well. Yes, he did. So, Mayborn, he shows up. He's the new NID. Don't ask me what that stands for. It's some sort of security division of the military. And he is here because he has the authority of the president. He's heard about the Tolans, their technology. And he basically wants to take them all and give them a home and interrogate them, maybe do some more nasty-ish type stuff. He really tries to make it sound like they're not going to be prisoners. They're going to live better lives than most of it's like, but than they, most Americans. Yeah, all right, that's not saying man. much. Yeah, good point. But Hammond is like. Now, I'm still general here, and he's not having it. They both kind of are like, well, Mayborn's like, I have the I have the authority of the president. And Hammond's like, well, I have the authority of the president, too. He basically says, well, I'm a general, and you're a colonel, and you need to go ahead and settle down. Go find some quarters somewhere. No, I'll wait. No. No, no that's an order. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a question. That was an order. Yep, and that's the end of Mayborn, for now. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> yep, good old Hammond. He is a good guy. I was talking about Mayborn, actually. Oh, well, we don't really like Mayborn right now, but Mayborn, well, Mayborn has quite the arc. That's because Kennedy left, left a bad taste in our mouth. What do you, I mean, yes. supposed to know. If you're watching SG-1 for the first time, and you're watching, and you're listening to this show... Um, first of all, good for you because I think you're in the minority. Second of all, Mayborn has a huge arc in SG1, and don't forget about this guy. <laughs> He's got some, he doesn't play a lot of episodes, but he plays some pretty big roles. Yes, he does. So at this point, Hammond is like, all right, 
I just bought us maybe a day. O'Neill with a great uh, saying here, you're a good man, General. So Samantha, Samantha Carter, Carter, I say Carter usually, but some I might alternate between the two of them. Anyway. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she does too. So Sam tells Nareem that he's on the clock. They need to consider one of the planets or Mayborn is going to take them all away. I don't think this is a long ways from a day. I feel like this is like an hour. Hammond gets off the, the phone with the president at that point, And it looks like he's bought all of the time that he can. Yep. No, it was quarantine. And we got a day. And actually that day got cut short because Mayborn's been in touch with the president. So he's bought all the time he can. Mayborn has permission to take the Tolans. He decides that he's going to take them tomorrow. Yeah, your mistake uh, there, Mayborn. I, I couldn't figure out why they wouldn't just get him in the car. Let's go. I don't either. But hey, all right, sure. Uh, <laughs> SG-1 meets with Hammond now on the surface. And they meet on the surface because, well, they don't want really Mayborn kind of spying on them, I guess. <laughs> Which is kind of silly when a general has to leave his own base. Yeah, that is a little silly. <laughs> But O'Neill says that they could be court-martialed, but Daniel can't be court-martialed because he's not military. Okay. So they so send Daniel to talk to Omak. I can't believe for a second that there wouldn't be repercussions on a civilian. I don't care if they can find a court to deal with it. I think it's the fact that they, they could do something to a civilian. It's just, when you think about the security clearance and everything it's like well what how are you going to explain this to anybody else besides oh, those with security clearance? no there's no lawyers there's no nothing people just disappear right well no that's not really supposed to be the way it works i know but every sci-fi show i've ever said if you spill a government secret you just disappear apparently this one has some accountability for civilians all right <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going with and that's 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 my story and I'm sticking to it alright well for right now he can't be court-martialed correct after uh, they say that Daniel decides to talk to Omak and he says he knows a place where they met some more a more advanced race and we're talking about the Nox right now but he can't get there because and we know this as the viewers because they screwed up and the Nox don't really want anything to do with us because they think that we're immature. Well, yeah, and they're right. And they're right. <laughs> can't really fault them for that decision, but I mean, even right now though, well, Jackson is trying to explain it to Omak. Omak's still very... Suspicious. Um, suspicious, thank you. Still thinking that we're out for his technology. Well, we asked for his help to get him home. He's Next. He'll get there. He'll get there. He, <laughs> he will have a little trust for at least one of us here. <laughs> right. Anyways, Daniel's explaining about the Nox, but we can't get there anymore. And maybe the Tolan had some sort of technology that could allow them to talk to the Nox. Uh, Omak considers this, and then he says, all right, fine. I have to go to the surface. And Daniel says, well, I kind of need to come with you, right? Because I got to explain 
and Omak thinks about it for a sec, and then he offers up his hand. He shows him the disappearing trick, finally. Daniel takes his hand, and they're able to walk through the walls, and they go up to the surface. Now, I will say, when they get up to the surface, and Omak asks for the coordinates of the Knox world, Daniel gives him, I think, a piece of paper or something. Yeah. Which Omak then kind of enters something into his armband, puts it on the ground, and a burst of light comes out of it and fires into the sky. A giant laser pointer. Yay. Well, that's what Daniel thinks. I think Apparently too. it was something else, but Omak doesn't really. He's like, yeah, he wouldn't understand. But I well, will say that Daniel really didn't need to be there. No, I was going to bring that earlier, bring that up earlier when he said, well, I need to go. Well, why? Why? Did yeah, he, he didn't explain anything. He just gave him a coordinates, which was on a piece of paper, which he could have just given to Omar. And if you really trust the guy, you're going to know he's coming back. So maybe Omak was just like, all right, you know what? I just want to shut you up. I'll bring you along. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I think it was too. <laughs> no reason. All right. Now we have Nareem. And he is meeting with Carter in the control room. He has one of those nice little devices, of course, that allows him to walk through walls. He walks over to Carter to say goodbye. How sweet. This guy's nauseating. Ah, uh, yeah, he's definitely got he's definitely got the pots for Carter. <laughs> I like Omak so much more. He's, he's like he's yeah, Omak just he, at least Omak's real. This Nareem just is just like Mr. Puppy Dog. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm I'm so pitiful. I must be cute. Nah. Nareem meets with Carter and he gives her what he says is an emotion recording device to have so that she can know how he felt around her. I mean, that's that's just like way creepier than I'd ever want to be, but... Super creepy. You know... However, Jeff, that is going to bring us to this week's Pay Tension. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wow. Oh, boy. What do you got? All right. So, we might be stepping up the difficulty slightly. I'm in trouble. You might be in trouble. But it's multiple choice, Jeff. Okay. You got a chance. All right. So, the question is... On the emotion recording device that Nareem gives to Carter, she is like, "Oh, well, how do I, uh, how do I operate it?" He tells her to push a button. Yeah. That button was a a red triangle, B a green square, C a yellow triangle. Or D, a blue square. Ooh. I hate you in so many different ways right now. Sorry. I'm going to say I think it was C with yellow triangle. C, yellow triangle. 
Sounds like a fail. I'm sorry, Jeff. No. <laughs> you were close, though. It was A, a red triangle. Wow. See, now you're up. I'll remember this next week. Don't you worry. Oh, no. Oh, That's okay. Yeah. That's okay, Jeff. Everybody give Jeff a round of applause anyways. Any. I don't want your consolation prize. <laughs> it was a good effort. Yay. Okay. Okay. Good try. All right. So after, uh, after Carter pushes her button and she feels Nareem's emotions, then, uh, she and Nareem give each other a big old smooch. A couple of them. They were practically making out when Jackson walked in. Oh, yeah. And there we go. And Daniel walks in. Thanks a lot, Daniel. Appreciate it. Way to ruin the moment. Way to ruin the moment, buddy. And yeah, that he basically kills that entire scene. <laughs> so we move to the next one. Yep. Well, I, I need to see you. Uh, yeah. Talk about uh, so Mayborn... Mayborn is explaining how many troops now to he needs to Hammond in order to make this thing work for the uh, Tolan transport. Uh, when a soldier steps in and says that the Tolans have disappeared again. <laughs> like Those Tolans. Slippery fellas. I can't see that coming. And then we get an off-world activation. Now, I was confused because usually when it's an off-world activation they come across the loudspeakers and say you know unscheduled off-world activation this time it was unauthorized gate activation yeah it's almost like they they for whatever reason um they didn't want Walt, you to Walter know. wasn't there that day or something they didn't want you to know what, whether or not it was outgoing or incoming yeah that's true we we that's something that we probably won't hear again I feel like that was kind of a one-off. Probably, but it definitely plays into the next three minutes of the series, uh, episode. Yes, it does. Since they're in the conference room, they open the blast doors, and they find that the Tolans are gathered all in front of the gate with Daniel and Teok. I don't... Was Teok there? Teok was there. All right. They, they can't court-martial him either. <laughs> Good point. So Mayborn threatens Daniel. He's like, I will give you a court-martial. And then Jack is just like, Mayborn, yeah. you know he's a civilian, right? Jack kind of explains the plan. Yeah. The uh, gate opens, and Laia from the Knox steps through. She says hello to Daniel, smiles at him. I like Laia. She's cute. She's cute. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the same thing, and she's very nice. She is very nice. Uh, Mayborn is just like, oh my god, order, order. Soldiers, prevent prevent their escape. Don't let them go. Shoot shoot them if needed. What shoot an Shoot them if needed. Yep, and Laia is just like, not impressed. She's like, your, your race has learned nothing. And Daniel looks very embarrassed by this. But then Laia continues and she says, "You, but you have. Yeah, well, that's not helping right now. <laughs> well, Omak 
steps up and he finally is grateful for Daniel's help. Finally, he is like, he, he shakes his, oh, I'm sorry, he doesn't shake his hand, he puts his hand on his shoulder. And he is very appreciative. He never actually said thank you, though. He never actually said thank you, but, I mean, uh, what, what do you want? Kind of a jerk. Well, you know, he's, that's just the type of guy, I guess. Yeah, we'll meet up with him later. Kind of a jerk. <laughs> yep, a little bit. Uh, Mayborn threatens one more time, and then Laia does one of those wonderful tricks, and uh, she activates the Stargate just without the DHD at all. Not many, not many times when this is able to occur. See, I believe the fact that the Nox can do that. I don't believe that uh, Apophis could do that in episode one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Just saying, it seems like two different. It does. The Nox yeah. seem like they would be substantial. That seems like a, a trick that they would do, that the Gould would not be able to do. Yeah, it seems like a mental trick, not really a technology trick. Yeah. Well, go figure. So, yeah, she opens it up with no help from the DHD. Um, and she ushers the uh, Tolans to enter. And the Tolans actually don't even enter. They just vanish. They vanish because she was hiding them. Yep. And then all the guns disappeared, too. So then the soldiers couldn't fire. Where did um, the guns go? Lia steps into the gate and it shuts down. And Mayborn is bullshite. Uh, he wasn't too happy at all, but you know, he has to go home and explain that to somebody. Yep. And we don't really uh I'm sure it's it's more like one of those things where it's like, well, I'm sure we'll see Mayborn again at some point. Ah, uh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> And this, and then of course we get one little bit from Jack here, where he says, oh, "The young do not always do what they're told." Yeah, well, tell good coming back. Yep, good line. And, that, and that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. Yeah, it it wasn't bad. No, it wasn't yeah. bad. As far as filler episodes go, because again, nothing happened with the main storyline. As far as filler episodes go, I you know seven or eight, not too bad. Nothing happened with the main storyline, but uh, we're going to see some pe lots of people who are in this episode. We're going to see them again. We're still building our series. That's we're all. Yes, this is this is part of that build because we will see the Tolans again for sure. We will definitely see Mayborn again. Yep. Yeah, just, just building the world. That's it. Stargate universe, not to not to reference the series, but the actual universe that the we're actual universe. Yes. Right. All right, Jeff. I think that's going to bring us to our uh, our faithful segment here at the very end. Good for you, Kev. Again, <laughs> nothing really blew up my skirt this week. <laughs> Well, you know, I there was there was one guy. I know he was a mate. He was a big time actor, and um, I'm definitely not going to let him go by here. Well, who? but uh, yeah, let me go ahead and get this out of the way. Who the fuck was that? <laughs> who do you got? 
name is Tobin Bell, and that would be Omak. And I, as many people would probably agree with me on this, one of his most prominent appearances was the character Jigsaw in the Saw series. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, you know, it's whether you liked it or not, it existed and it was a big deal. Yikes. But I will tell you a couple of the other things that he was in. Um, starting from early in his career, and some of these are guest appearances, and some of them are more prominent appearances, but he was in Tootsie. Um, everybody knows that one with uh, space and Dustin Hoffman, excuse me. Um, he was in the Alien Nation TV series, uh, Goodfellas, Seinfeld, uh, ER, The Quick and the Dead, 24. Yeah. He was in uh, The Flash, and he was in the new MacGyver. The new MacGyver. Can't get him in the old one, huh? The new MacGyver. Very nice. Except for that whole saw bit. Yep. Well, you know, that's that's saw. <laughs> tis what it is. But yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, he's a prominent actor. And, you know, he's older, so he's been doing it a while. Yeah. Like I said, that's why I'm shocked he wasn't in the original MacGyver. I'm kind of shocked, too. He was raised in Weymouth, Massachusetts, though. I did not know that. That's nice to know. And I pulled that one right on my butt. Oh, so it's not true? <laughs> it's true. All right. <laughs> Just making up things as I go along now. <laughs> uh, all right, bud. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of our episode. All right, buddy. Until next time, I look forward to it. Yep. Uh, still trying to bust these out um, week to week, but nobody fault me if I uh, if I if I'm a little bit late here and there because uh, I will say that especially with a lot of stuff that I'm going through right now um, it's a lot of work to edit some of these episodes so I don't always get them up on time I don't think anybody's gonna fault you with everything you got going on buddy I hope not Jeff I definitely don't that's the important part well I appreciate that all right everybody well have a great week. And thank you for listening, and thank you, Jeff. Of course, always a pleasure and a great time, and thank you, everybody, for listening. And don't forget, feedback is key. We like feedback, Facebook, whatever we got going on. Yep, whatever you can do. I'm, I'm, I'm through plugging the feedback thing. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> I, want to know. I want to see somebody say something. Well, we'll see. I don't mind if it's all negative. You can be the OMAC of my Facebook page as long as you say something. <laughs> nice. Okay. And I actually say be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have a good one, everyone. Have a good night.